Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night, Thursday morning. You guys know the vibe. You guys know when I record. I record late. It's just what I do. I stay up till odd hours of the morning to get out this Nuggets content as quickly as I can. Uh, it was a great win by this Denver Nuggets team on Wednesday night over the Portland Trailblazers. Final score, 106-105. to Denver comes up with a clutch stop right at the end of the game. Nikola Jokic, uh, defensive sieve that he is, uh, according to some, uh, forces another miss that, that directly leads to a Nuggets victory. Uh, this was a really, really good win for Denver. The Blazers, they had been reeling. Uh, they were coming off of a really tough stretch, and it was very clear that based off of uh, off of how they performed in the game on Tuesday against the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, they were bringing back reinforcements on the second night of a back-to-back to face the Denver Nuggets. Damian Lillard didn't play in the game last night so against the Clippers, so he decided to come back on Wednesday against the Nuggets. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic was out due to injury management. He came back again for this game against the Nuggets. And Denver, they had their, their stuff cut out for them because they, uh, they of course, don't have Jamal Murray. Of course, didn't have Monte Morris in this game. Without two of their, their point guards, guys that help them get into their offense, help them be, become a better team, it was going to be interesting to see how they matched up against a team like Portland. Who they their strength is their guard play. Their strength, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, even Norman Powell now. They have a lot of guys that can create offense off the dribble and can hit a lot of those tough shots. And Denver, they they're starting Faku Campazo and Will Barton and uh had Shaq Harrison and PJ Dozier off the bench and guys like that. Austin Rivers now. This was going to be a really interesting test for Denver, and they passed it. I thought they did a really nice job. I thought, if anything, the offense was the problem tonight, uh, especially in, in that second half, of course. But Denver did a really, really nice job in this one of facing Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and playing really well. It didn't start off great, and that's what we're going to start with our big story here. Uh, but Denver, they had they had their miscommunications, their undisciplined closeouts at the beginning. I thought there were a lot of instances where Faka Campazzo a little bit too small to handle Damian Lillard, uh, switch on to CJ McCollum, things like that. Uh, those two, Lillard and McCollum, they combined for 18 points in that first quarter. And you're thinking, ah, oh, crap. Is this what Denver's going to have to deal with the rest of the way? They faced about 12 minutes of Damian Lillard, 6 minutes of CJ McCollum. So you were going to get CJ McCollum for the rest, of the, the rest of the second quarter. And then you're just going to have, like these elite guards creating offense for the entire time. But then something happened and something really clicked and Denver really started playing well, especially with their guard play, but I want to credit Nikola Jokic as well here. They played really well against Lillard and McCollum. Remember the 18 points I talked about? They only had 18 points for the rest of the game combined. 36 points tonight on 36 shots. For Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. That is great defense. And though they had a couple weaknesses on the bench, they had a couple weaknesses elsewhere. If you cut off Lillard and you cut off McCollum, that's the head of the snake right there. If that's what you do, 
and you let other guys try to beat you, or they, they if it's Lillard and McCollum just trying to kind of bludgeon their way through really good defense, then Denver's already put themselves in a great position to win, and that's exactly how it happened tonight. I went back and watched all of Damian Lillard's shots, and here's what I found. Denver was just incredibly disciplined on him. They played some great defense, starting with Faku Campazzo. He did a great job of forcing Lillard into challenging him. He got up in his in his airspace. He was very annoying. He did his normal Faku thing where, where guys look at him and they're like, why is this 5'9 guy in my grill all the time? I am going to score over him. And I thought that Lillard took the bait. I thought that uh, Faku really baited him into some tough shots, some Dame time shots. And that's exactly what you want if you're the Nuggets. It's kind of playing with fire. And if you rile up Damian Lillard and he hits those shots, then then you're in trouble. But I thought that Faku did a really good job. He forced those tough shots, especially in that third quarter. And uh, I thought that a lot of guys on Denver's roster really picked up the slack as well. Shaq Harrison in particular, he did a really nice job, both on ball and as a helper tonight. Uh, did a lot of good things, just rotating baseline, uh, forcing forcing guys into tough spots, sticking with them in isolation. Had a really, really great defensive possession against C.J. McCollum. Uh, just a lot to like about what Shaq Harrison brought. Austin Rivers also brought it too. He bothered a, a Damian Lillard layup uh, at the end of the third quarter, just rotating over from the weak side, kind of left his man on a whim. And did a really nice job as as the primary help defender and forced a missed layup. And it was a badly missed layup, too, because Austin Rivers did a great job of getting there in time and contesting it well. So you like to see that from the two guys that Denver just brought in. Fourth quarter, though, it was P.J. Dozier and Nikola Jokic time. They combined for great defense a lot because Damian Lillard, Yusuf Nurkic, they were playing a lot of pick and roll. They were playing a lot of two-man game. Lots of pick and roll from those two, and lots of two on-ball defense from Denver. Jokic did a really nice job of helping on Lillard for most of this game. There were a couple times where he got got, and that happens to everybody. But really tonight, Jokic did just so many great things. Um, I'll talk about him in just a little bit. Against CJ McCollum, uh, CJ sort of hit a lot of tough shots. Uh, He was 6 of 13 tonight. Lillard was 9 of 23. Denver only allowed two free throws to Damian Lillard. And I don't think he was fouled more than, like, maybe one time that wasn't called. But other than that, Denver just played great defense. They did a really, really nice job of staying in front of him, making things difficult. Against McCollum, they made things difficult as well. There were a couple mishaps here or there. Uh, Especially in the first part of the game, first quarter. There was one in the third quarter as well, a transition three. But... Shaq Harrison had that great defensive possession against CJ. A lot of CJ McCollum's attempts, he likes to take those tough contested shots off the dribble, and he hits them at such a high rate that sometimes it's hard to tell whether it's great defense against him or if he's just missing a shot. But 6 of 13, as long as he's not going 8 of 13, 9 of 13, 10 of 13 against you, you're doing really well. And one of the interesting things I found, he didn't take a shot in the final five minutes. That is pretty interesting. Will Barton was on him during that time. Aaron Gordon spent some time on him as well. Uh, I thought that those two did a really nice job overall. So credit to them, of course. 
Denver has kind of needed to rebrand as a defensive team sometimes in these situations. Like When you've got Murray out and you've got Morris out, you have to play great defense because the offense isn't always going to come. PJ in that closing lineup, Nikola Jokic, he played some really strong defense. You have Barton, you have MPJ and, and Aaron Gordon. They're just flying around out there as help defenders a lot of the time. There were some great defensive possessions, I thought, especially with those five on the floor where you have uh, guys closing out. You, there was there was one possession in particular. I'm not sure if it was in the fourth quarter or not, but uh, you had a a drive to the rim by the Blazers. They kick the ball to the corner, uh, and everybody rotates. Aaron Gordon was the one who helped. He had to get back to his man, but then he saw the rotations that Denver's other players were committing, and he went around the horn basically following the basketball, where from the right corner all the way to the left corner, he hustled, and all of those players covered for him on that rotation. And the Blazers did swing pass, swing pass, swing pass to the corner, to the opposite corner where Aaron Gordon caught. And uh, and P.J. Dozier made a great play on the basketball to tip it before Aaron Gordon would have been caught there. Just a really good, high IQ defensive possession from everybody. And a great job by P.J. to make sure that Aaron Gordon doesn't get flamed in that situation for after all of that great defensive effort that he had. So really good stuff there. But closing this game, Nikola Jokic, he really upped his defensive game, and he has been doing so pretty consistently of late. Defended Nurkic really well down the stretch. He allowed Nurk to take several jumpers. Those didn't go well. Not sure why Yusuf Nurkic is taking jumpers in crunch time when he has four jump shooters around him, but it is what it is. Uh, Nurkic got an offensive rebound on Jokic and then decided to post up Jokic. At one point, uh, this was the one where he pulled the chair, where Jokic pulled the chair. Uh, Gets into good defensive position, post position behind Nurkic. Nurkic tries to do the bully ball thing again. Jokic pulls the chair, perfect timing. Nurkic recovers his balance, tries to pivot around for a layup, but Jokic is already there as well, pokes the ball free on an easy block, then deflects it out, makes make sure to clear it to another teammate. Also got the final stop. Uh, on the last possession of the game, Jokic missed a three uh, with, the game, with the Nuggets up one, and then Aaron Gordon came down with a a jump ball against Damian Lillard, actually. And somehow that ball, it got into the hands of Robert Covington in a one-on-one fast break with only Nikola Jokic ahead of him. And rather than challenge Nikola Jokic, Robert Covington took one look at him, knew that he couldn't really get past him in in a clean way, dished the ball off to Norman Powell, who after kind of navigating his way through the lane a little, or not through the lane, but on the left side of the court for a little bit, got through Denver's help defense, tried to challenge Nikola Jokic on a floater who contested it really well, clanged off the iron, rolled off. Jokic just keeps doing some great things on the defensive end. And they go unnoticed. It's not very athletic. It's not like... It's not going to be a flashy block at the rim where where he's really stuffing somebody who's trying to challenge at the rim and Jokic then blocks said player. 
It's never going to be like that. It's always more subtle than that. And and I think that I just pulled these numbers over this last uh, these last 30 minutes. Denver's clutch time defensive rating ranks in the Nikola Jokic era are as follows. His rookie season, they're fourth in defensive rating in the clutch. Second season, their worst defensive year as a, as a team, 15th in defensive clutch rating or clutch defensive rating. Next year, year they get Paul Millsap, but he only plays like 38 games or so. Nuggets rank 13th in defensive clutch uh, clutch defensive rating. God. Uh, 2018-19 was the first year that Denver started making a serious playoff run. They made the two seed that year. They ranked first in clutch rating or clutch defensive rating. This past year, they ranked 12th. And this year, they rank 14th. So if you're following along, 4th, 15th, 13th, 1st, 12th, 14th. I think it's safe to say that you could you could throw out the rookie year. Uh, he wasn't a big part of that team, and there's it's just drastically different at this point. You could probably throw out the outlier of the 2018-19 uh, defense because I think that the rest of them really tell the story. Denver in clutch defensive rating is going to be average to above average. That's just who they are. They're not going to be an amazing defense. They're never going to be an amazing defense because Nikola Jokic, like, not because Nikola Jokic, but, like, he does have limits. Like, he's never going to be a a top five defensive kind of, kind of guy. But can he be top ten? Can he approach that? In moments especially, of course. I, I don't think that there's any reason to believe that he can't up his game in those situations. And even though Denver's had some, let's just say, shoddy defensive personnel over this time, they're still doing really well in the clutch. And this includes some some pretty some pretty tough shots the team's made at the beginning of the year in the clutch against them that were really kind of fluky. Uh, but now that Michael Porter's engaged, now that they have Aaron Gordon, I think that Denver's going to rise as a clutch time defense. They do a lot of great things. They cut off a lot of things that the defense likes to, or that the offense likes to do. And they force the opposing team to beat them in other ways. Nikola Jokic just isn't going to be taken advantage of in space that much anymore. He's never going to be perfect, but no big man ever is. I thought he had a lot of good possessions against CJ McCollum tonight. Thought he had a lot of good possessions against Damian Lillard tonight. Did he struggle against Steph Curry? Yes. Did Joel Embiid struggle against Steph Curry? Yes. There's a lot to like about where Denver is right now, with their defense, with how they've sort of handled this situation, and I think there's a lot of good indicators that they aren't dead in the water here. They've done a lot of good things, and I think the defense is here to stay. They still have to figure some things out, but I'm looking forward to how they do so. Let's take a quick quick break. When we come back, we are going to talk about the offense and some of the bench stuff. But first, Masvidal and Usman, they put on a show the last time they stepped into the octagon, and round two is sure to pack a punch. DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC, is putting you in the center of the, this weekend's title fight with 26-1 to odds on either title contender to reign victorious. Pick either main event fighter to win during this weekend's UFC 60, or 261 title fight 
and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 26 to 1 odds. Just bet $5 on either fighter to win. And if they walk out with the belt, you will cash $130 in free bets. There is no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings, they they offer great odds on all sports. We've done promos on basketball. We've done promos on golf. Like, the Masters will just happen. We're going to get into the playoffs here for basketball soon. You guys know. DraftKings, they're safe, secure, and reliable. So you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $5 into $130 in in free bets if the title contender of your choice wins. That is code MHS to turn $5 into $130 if the fighter of your choosing takes home the crown. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. We're back, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed doing this over the course of these last few days. Uh, the response has been unbelievable. You guys are great, of course. Uh, the podcast with Matt Moore that I did on Nikola Jokic winning MVP, that is the, the most downloaded podcast I've had so far. So thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Uh, Thank you again, and and if you can, just drop a a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That would be great. Uh, Those go a long way in promoting the podcast. When you you search Denver Nuggets, it shows up now because of your ratings. So thank you so much for that. All right, let's talk offense. Let's talk some of the concerns that we have. I think it's probably fair to start with Michael Porter Jr. Uh, Not because of anything he did, but because just sort of how this game went. He starts off the force the first quarter and is just hotter than the sun. Um, things are going really easy for him. Eight of eight from the field, seventeen points. Plays the entire first quarter. Michael Malone relying on him. Nikola Jokic relying on him. They do a really good job. And I thought that that it, it's it's really tough because in a situation where somebody goes haywire, somebody scores a lot of points. You can see this a lot. If it's not the primary player, if it's not the guy that, if it's not within their normal rotation, then coaches and teams and players, they have a difficult time reincorporating the normal stuff once you kind of break away from that. This disrupted the staggered rotation. I don't know if Michael Porter was going to play with the bench tonight, but he most certainly wasn't going to in that second quarter, given that he played the entire first quarter. That's not on him. That's not on Malone. It's not on anybody. Porter just got hot, and Michael Malone rode the high hand, and I don't blame him for doing that. The offense was great overall in that first half. When Michael Porter came back, it just didn't really run through MPJ. He didn't get any shot attempts at that point. Uh, Jokic did some great things. Barton did some great things. 
Uh, Aaron Gordon hit a couple threes. Faku Composo hit four threes tonight. So we'll talk about that in just a bit. But, like, there was a reason why Michael Porter didn't really get back and incorporate it into the offense. But it's still an issue. He's still your second best player right now. And you need him and you rely on him to do some of those things. Start of the third quarter, I thought the process was really bad. Denver didn't get a lot of clean shot attempts. Sometimes they went to Jokic in the post. That didn't go well. Sometimes they went to Barton at the top. That didn't go well either. They tried to get Porter a couple touches here or there, but one of them, he he just isolated against uh, CJ McCollum and took a, a, a sidestep uh, fadeaway two, which in that situation, he had already taken a face-up jumper on CJ McCollum. And had he done that and had he tried to do it again, I think CJ McCollum would have jumped out of his shoes. So you just pump fake and drive. That's probably the most dangerous thing that he could do in that situation. I would try that rather than go to the most difficult shot in your bag. But I thought that Denver also kind of went away from him after that point. Michael Porter started 8 of 8 from the field with 17 points. He finished the game with 8 of 12 from the field with 17 points. In that fourth quarter, they went to the Barton-Jokic two-man game, the Dozer-Jokic two-man game, Jokic post-ups. They did a pretty bad job of getting Porter reintegrated into what they did. And this is the growing pains that you have to go through when the pecking order of your team is completely jarred. This isn't anybody to blame. This isn't Barton being selfish. This isn't, like, like if Faku's just hitting open threes, then that's different. If he's missing open threes, that's different. Uh, I thought that a lot of this is a, is on MPJ in general. He's a guy that when, when he goes 8 of 8, and when he's gone 8 of 8 in the past or, or gotten that hot in the past, when he gets back into the game, the offense runs through him. It's the first option. He's given the ball. They obviously get out of the way. When you have the MVP on your team, Denver can't just do that. They're not just going to get out of their way and shuck everything that they do so that Porter can get more touches. They try to go through the flow. They tried to do that the same way. Portland did a really good job defensively on MPJ in that second quarter and onward, and and I thought that he didn't know how to respond in that situation. He will learn. He will proper he will learn how to properly get himself back into the flow when he starts that hot in the future. Denver can try a few new things to try to help him out as well. Like I would say getting him a touch or two initially uh, so that when he does come back in, you see if you could continue riding that hot hand. But if he, if he sees in the early second quarter after coming back in that things aren't, like he misses a shot, he misses a couple, Denver then knows, okay, we're just going to run offense from here on out. And if, if he gets hot again, then great. We'll try to incorporate that. Uh, sometimes teams get kind of thrown off when a guy gets that hot. And I thought that that was a really good example of it tonight. Let's talk Faku. Let's talk Aaron Gordon. They both, both of them hitting threes is a really, really big deal. This was one game after being purposefully left open. They combined to hit six threes. That's a really, really big deal. Aaron Gordon tonight, I thought that his interior game was pretty bad. 
uh, two of seven from the two of seven from two point range, but he went two of four from three, hit a couple of those open ones. That's a big deal in keeping the defense honest, and I hope that's a sign of things to come rather than just a a one off here because Denver needs him to be able to space the floor. If he if he can't space the floor, that's a big big problem. Um, but Faku, Faku hitting four threes. Is just magnificent. It's just so big because when he's out there, he has to be involved in some way, shape, or form. He's not like when when you're running pick and roll with him, you need to not just go under the screen every single time. You have to you have to force the opposing team to go over the screen at times because that's what opens up the uh, the 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 pocket pass and and. You have to then play drop coverage if you're the big. That's how you free open the pick and pop. That's how you free open the pick and roll. When you force the defense to respect your jump shot, it opens up things for the rest of the team. And I thought that tonight was a really good example of that. Faku, plus eight tonight in his 27 minutes. Talked about his defense at the beginning on Damian Lillard. I I stand by that. He did a nice job. More than anything, though, the four threes... They were timely, they were important, they were in the either in transition or they were kind of the last rotation kind of three, where Denver moved the ball around the perimeter, moved the ball uh, kind of uh, pass, 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 hockey passes, things like that. Ball finds Faku, he's open, has to make the shot or else it compromises the offensive scheme, hits the shot. was a big deal. Uh, He's been shooting the ball really well outside of the Memphis game. So I'm going to go ahead and say that the Memphis game, probably an aberration. Faku's been shooting the ball really, really well, especially in the second half of the season. So glad to see that from him. Hope that continues because if he's going to be out there, if he's going to be starting, he's got to hit shots. Nikola Jokic, he was fine to very good in the first three quarters was 8 of 13 at one point. I think he had 20 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. Finished with 25 points, 9 rebounds, and 5 assists on 9 of 18 shooting. So he went 1 of 5 in the fourth quarter. Three of those shots were, were late clock threes. And so it was because Portland did a good job defensively that he had to take some of those tough ones. And it is what it is. I think he went 0 of 3 on those shots. I thought that Denver should have been force-feeding him in the post. That's my opinion. I think that against Nurkic, against Cantor, he is going to be at his best when he's punishing guys that can't defend him because they're big guys. They should be able to stop him, uh, but they can't. And I thought that Denver did a really horrible job of getting him the ball in the post in a lot of situations. Part of that is on Jokic. Part of that is on good defense and good denial played by Yusuf Nurkic in some of those cases. I think most of that, though, is on the passes. It's on reading the court. It's on making sure to understand how to operate in certain situations, how to get the ball to your best player. And so Denver not having a point guard on the floor, when especially in clutch time, in closing time. P.J. Dozier's out there. Will Barton's out there. MPJ, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. These are the growing pains. This is what we're talking about. So Denver's going to get better at this. The longer they're without Jamal Murray, the the more they're going to learn how to do it well. 
Denver always could rely on Jamal Murray to play that two-man game with Jokic. And if if Jokic has a good uh, matchup, then he will get the ball to him in the post. Murray doesn't get enough credit for developing that part of his game uh, because it had it take it taken a lot of steps, is what I will say. Um, but I think that they should have been force feeding the post personally. Uh, it's okay that they didn't. It's okay that I, they still won. They still made it work. Uh, but Denver had, I think they went to the post with him three times down the stretch in scoring position. One of those was a miss. One of those was a layup. And one of those drew free throws. Maybe two of them. So that is something to watch out for. If they get into close games, you want to see guys be able to properly space the floor, properly get him the ball. Uh, but Jokic may may have to do some other things in those situations. Maybe he has to run, uh, he has to freestyle a little bit. He has to run some point. Uh, maybe Aaron Gordon or MPJ is uh, is setting screens for him and then rolling to the basket to try to free up some space that way. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they're going to handle it, but. This is the this is the growing pains. This is how you figure it out. So they're doing it at the right time and doing it in wins and trying to figure it out then. That's great. All right. Bench offense tonight was pretty scary. Denver went 10 deep. They got in Shaq Harrison. They got in Austin Rivers. They got those guys involved. The defense was good, but the offense wasn't. 9 of 28 from the field as a group. Uh, that, that means about 33, 32% from the field. Uh, 3 of 12 from the three-point line, 25%. Not good. Not good enough. And it, it matches the eye test because they really struggled to create efficient and effective looks in those situations. And we've seen them kind of do that with uh, Paul Millsap, Jermichael Green. There were times where Paul Millsap looked really good attacking Inez Cantor, but then there were also times where he didn't. And I'm I'm interested in seeing how Denver handles that if they have a guy like Austin Rivers out there, if they have a guy like P.J. Dozier out there and, and Shaq Harrison, who he's not really an off-ball shooter. So when he gets the ball, that's that's not a good it's not a good shot attempt for Denver if he's shooting a three. So, and that's okay. Like, can be honest about it. He's not a good shooter. Denver has to find ways to create offense in other in other capacities. And I think that maybe getting JaVale McGee in there at points to just roll to the rim, be an an above-the-rim presence, uh, might be helpful. Uh, Especially against a team like like Portland. You'd want to put Inez Cantor in the pick-and-roll a lot. You'd want to put Carmelo Anthony in pick-and-roll a lot. Make him him operate in pick-and-pop. And I didn't think that Denver did that well tonight. Uh, I thought they just tried to attack and as Cantor in the post a lot, I thought they tried to attack uh, with P.J. Dozier a little bit too much. He had to do a lot of one-on-one isolation stuff. I thought they missed having MPJ on the floor out there. And maybe that's something that we see changed, is that they'd go nine deep next time, but maybe it's Austin Rivers and uh, MPJ out there. And Shaq Harrison sits, and then they get Millsap and Green, and then they get P.J. Maybe that's better. But against uh, a team like the Blazers, you need a defense, and they got defense, but I think at, at some cost. Austin Rivers got his first minutes tonight. He only took two shots, five points. He made his only three. Uh, look for him to be more aggressive in future games. I, I liked what I saw 
liked what I heard from him post game. He said that he th- like the coaches told him that he wasn't aggressive enough, and I like that because he's trying to fit in. He's trying to just just find his role and and not overextend himself a little bit too much immediately. So he did he did well on that. We'll see what happens. We'll see what it looks like when he tries to get more aggressive because that could be something that helps Denver going forward. Um. Millsap and Green, they really struggled with Cantor and Mello tonight, uh, especially on the defensive end. Uh, Cantor did a, like, he, he's just a load down there. He's a guy that's very physical. He's going to battle. Millsap just isn't big enough, and Millsap is usually big enough for everybody, but Cantor's a different beast. Uh, Jermichael Green also got shook a lot by Carmelo Anthony. Those guys combined for uh, 23 points on 14 shots, I'm pretty sure. So they had a lot of opportunities and capitalized on them for sure. They, they were one of the reasons why the bench was a minus. So going to be interesting to see how they how they handle it. Frankly, I'm not really sure how Denver survived tonight. Uh, four steals and three blocks is, with that bench unit. They, uh, they helped, and there were some timely stops in the fourth for sure. But just looking at the box score, it feels like the Blazers should have won. Really stands out, though, that Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, 36 points on 36 shots. That was the story. So, All right, let's take a final break. When we come back, we're going to talk about just the anatomy of a contender and what I've seen over the course of these last four games where Denver's gone 4-0 without Jamal Murray. We'll be right back. Alright, final segment here, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Uh, let's talk about this, because this team, things were feeling bleak. Uh, last Monday night, Jamal Murray goes down. I was sad. Like, I, I was I was really, really upset. Because things were just sort of coming together and clicking for this team at that point. And to have it all kind of fall apart in that way, it was just devastating. And... Not not all team related, and not like not like uh, contention related, but Jamal Murray was playing really well, and and he had that sore knee injury, and I was just really sad for him that after taking the time and and taking the effort to get himself ready and get himself healthy, they took extra time to get him back, and so just to have that happen was just so painful uh, for me personally, but of course more for like more for him, more for the team and. Just thinking about the psyche of that, it's just painful. Um, season, of course, isn't over. Uh, but without Jamal, Denver just, they, they weren't in a great position. And you start to think about, okay, they did the Aaron Gordon trade. They got better in the front court. Definitely took a step back in the back court without Gary Harris, without RJ Hampton. You lose Jamal Murray, and you're suddenly down to. At that point, it was Monte Morris, it was Will Barton, and it was Faku Campazo and P.J. Dozier. And that was going to be your backcourt rotation in all likelihood. It might still be when Monte Morris gets back. But right now, Denver is, is they're having to rely on Shaq Harrison. They're having to bring in Austin Rivers. And without Monte Morris out there, things have gotten pretty like difficult for Denver. And yet they've survived. Yet they figured it out. In the four games without Jamal Murray so far, they're 4-0. They won against Miami. 
It was the second night of a back-to-back for the Heat at that point. It was the first game without Jamal. Denver was trying to win one for him. MPJ shot the lights out. Like, I think any any reasonable person would say, okay, this is a great win, but it may not be emblematic of who they are. Then they go to Houston, win that one going away. Very important game for them to just show who they are, show what kind of talent they have. And they showed that Houston was really bad. Blowout win, winning by 30. Nuggets did lose Monte Morris in that game, though. That was a big deal. Then Denver won against Memphis. They had a lot go wrong in that game. Uh, John Morant played really well. Grayson Allen shot the lights out. DeAnthony Melton shot the lights out at the beginning of that game. Denver was down late in that one, and they had to rely on their big MVP candidate to carry them. Lots of guys made big shots. Even outside of Jokic, it was Will Barton at one point. It was MPJ at multiple points. Those guys, they did they did some great things, and then Jokic capped it off. And That was a big-time win, and you start to feel, okay, maybe there is something brewing here. Then the Nuggets have to go on the road against Portland. And Portland has been scuffling, but they're still a talented team. They still There's a rivalry between these two teams, to be clear. Like, they don't like each other. And then the Nuggets win close against Portland. It wasn't a great night for Jokic. wasn't a great night for MPJ or Barton. But the defense really stepped up. Denver's had a different anatomy of how they've won over these last four games. They've shown that they could take advantage of a team that's short on rest with the Heat. MPJ can can do some incredible things. They showed against the Houston Rockets that Nikola Jokic is still a dominant player, still a dominant MVP candidate, and they had a great performance all around in that game. Against Memphis, they showed that even when the chips were down, they were able to come back and that Jokic is the best player in the NBA right now. Against Portland, even when things aren't going right on offense, they found a way to lock in defensively. That was one of the things that people have a lot of questions about with Denver. And yet they've stepped up. They've done really well. 4-0 without Jamal Murray. Suddenly they're 38-20. and You start to think about it. You start to, to look back on it a little bit. You realize, okay, 38 and 20, that's really good. That is a really, really good record. It's on pace for about 54 wins uh, in an 82 game season. In a in a 72 game season, I'm pretty sure it's about uh I, I don't I don't remember. I don't remember what it is actually. Uh but none of the wins have come against elite competition, to be frank. Like nobody is gonna confuse Memphis and Portland with great teams. Still, Denver had to step up. They had to do this without Murray, and then they had to do it without Monte. It was big-time stuff. You start to ask yourself, how are they actually doing it? What is the anatomy of this? What gives them this opportunity to be able to make this happen? They're fighting for each other. They're taking turns to step up when necessary. They fall back on their superstar MVP candidate when, when the going gets tough. But even then, all guys are stepping up. P.J. Dozier has had his moments. Shaq Harrison and Austin Rivers, they contributed to winning tonight. Faku Campazzo had a really good defensive game, in my opinion, on Damian Lillard. It says a lot that when you bring in Shaq Harrison and Austin Rivers, and they contribute this late to winning, it says a lot about the culture, in my opinion. 
Both of those guys had glowing things to say about the coaching staff, Denver, Jokic, the environment, being being on a contender. They were both very happy to be here. Said that Denver had treated them really well, gotten them up to speed, made sure that they knew exactly what they were doing when they were brought in. And both guys were very happy in this postgame. Shaq Harrison, he was glowing. He was happy to be there, happy to have a podium game, had some great quotes, was positive, fun. Austin Rivers, complete professional. Somebody who was very candid. He spoke about just kind of his vulnerability of, of when he was sitting on the sidelines for the first time. What it felt like and how he reacted in that situation. And he started looking inward, started questioning, hey, what do I need to be better at in order to contribute to a team, in order to be on a, on a contender? Shaq Harrison, he was happy to be a part of things. He just he, was, he sat there for a little bit after the after the the conference ended, after the interview ended, and he just kind of looking at the camera, basking in it for a little bit, and then got up and left. And both of those guys, they were just ex- excited and profusely engaged on how how important it was for them to be in this situation in Denver, where they could contribute to a playoff contender. He spoke positively about Jokic, about what he does, about how he has helped them along. Look, Denver may not win a ring this year. Murray went down, and that sucks. It really, really sucks. But they are going to fight like hell against whoever they play. It's probably going to be the Lakers. Odds of it being anyone else at this point appear slim to none because every team in the Western Conference, once they saw that that Denver was going to face the Lakers in the in the we- in the first round of the Western Conference playoffs, they decided to social distance. Uh, all three of the Western Conference top guys are at least eleven and four in their last fifteen games. That includes the Jazz, the, the Suns, the Clippers, all of those teams. They've been really, really good. The teams that are below the Lakers that had a chance to catch up to them. Portland is 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games. They're in the 6th seed. They've lost ground on, on the Lakers. They shouldn't have. They've been in situations where they could win games. The Mavericks, they're 5-5. Five and five. They've been in situations where they could win games too. They lost a game to the Knicks. You know, the, the suddenly the 4th seed New York Knicks, who apparently are just, just really, really good at this point. Look, if Denver has to play the Lakers in the first round. It's probably not going to end well. And Denver will probably get, they'll probably lose because not having Jamal Murray, you're still going to face Michael Porter. You're still going to face Aaron Gordon. You're still going to face Nikola Jokic, a very, very dangerous front court trio. But the Lakers are the Lakers and they have LeBron James. They have Anthony Davis. And you got to understand that going in. And still, I am excited to see what happens. Because if Denver were to pull that off, oh, I would be insufferable. It would be so much fun talking all the mess. Because Nikola Jokic is going to win an MVP award. He's going to win. And I think that once Denver gets into that situation, where if they they go into it free, knowing that they don't have anything to prove to anybody, they might be able to do something interesting. They might be able to do something special. 
We'll see if they can manage it. We'll see if they do it. But I am looking forward to it for sure. This 4-0 stretch has really turned things around for me because they didn't have to go 4-4 or 4-0. They could have gone 2-2, could have gone 3-1, and and nobody would have batted an eye. But they went 4-0. They did the hard stuff. All the time. The process was really good. And I really like what I've seen. This team is still very talented. Michael Porter is still very good. He has a lot of room to grow. And because of that, you can't count out Denver. Can't count them out. Not just yet. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I will be back tomorrow night. Uh, going to be joined by a special guest. Won't won't tell you who it is quite yet, but I am looking forward to talking to them. Should be a lot of fun as we uh, we get set up here. And uh, we're going to sign off for, for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. And I'll talk to you guys very soon.